Welcome back to another episode of the Strong Family Project podcast. I'm Joe, joined again by Mel. We have a special guest today. Before we introduce Amy more fully, Mel, why don't you read us in? Welcome back to the Strong Family Project podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. And today we're joined by Amy from Raising Healthy Kid Brains. And we've had a great conversation with her yesterday. I invited her to come share with you some of her thoughts. She had a, a lot of very good connections from teaching the kids some new activities to making connections with the family, from neuroscience to practical, tactical activities. And we've been doing something new here on the Strong Family Project, which always makes Mel nervous, where instead of just getting into the conversation, we'll ask a qu question or do a segment first. Now, I told her not to prepare one. She has got has the printed out notes for today's conversation. So I'm going to ask the question. We'll all, including Amy, will go around and answer it. It's going to be a softball one, so nothing to worry about. <laughs> okay. uh, and then I will allow Amy there some time to introduce herself and give you some more background. So this is something we do at the beginning of every dinner, whichever goes around and he pokes the person to go next. He's our five-year-old on giving something that they're thankful for from that day or the last week. So Mel, I'm going to ask you to go first. What's something that you are thankful for that happened in your last week? Well, I'm going to go with what happened this morning. So my son, Logan, goes down to the local library. They have an electronics corner where people contribute pieces and people can take stuff home. And I'm so thankful that he has a way to go somewhere and learn about something he's excited about that he might not have as much access to in regular school. And I think that will connect well with our discussion later. But I'm super thankful for the art center and for this particular guy harry that came there today and taught logan something about electronics came home with a world war ii airplane radio yeah yeah he did <laughs> the guy just gave it to him and i think i told logan i said as soon as you make connections with people and you bring them value they're going to want to respond and he certainly is seeing the fruits of that labor so i'm thankful for that good communication skills thank you for taking him down my gratitude will be from yesterday evening Mel arranged for Henry to get a ride to soccer practice. There's like summer soccer, not team. And Henry wants to get into the team, get to know the coach and build a relationship with him. But from this past weekend's competitions and road races, my feet were too beat up to go down there. Uh, however, my older son, Logan, has a commitment to hike up the mountain behind her house about one mile up, one mile down. It is pretty up there. And he's doing it three times a week so he can get ready for fall sports, which he has never played before. And so to success, set him up for success, he's going to do some general physical preparedness, walking up and down the mountain three times per week. So I was able to join him. The rain held up. We had a good minimal talk. <laughs> mostly on the way down because we're all winded on the way up. But I am thankful for that opportunity to be able to do that last night. Now, Amy, I'm going to tag you in. Why don't you tell us what from your last week, what you're thankful for? Oh, perfect. Okay. Mine are almost always to do with people. My one from this week, it's actually from yesterday. I'm getting ready to sell my house and move. And it's a big project because I'm single now and I've got five kids and running a business and it's a little chaotic and crazy. Um, but the people who built this house moved next door and we've just become really wonderful friends. And they told my kids to call them grandpa and grandma and they're just the cutest. And they saved the paint, like samples of paint from the paint job. So I was able to go and teach my kids. I have them come and help me. And we patched a hole in the wall and they got to help me do some painting. And I have the perfect paint to fix it. And I don't <laughs> have to go try to color match and go to the Home Depot. And I don't know all of that. So I was, that was like maybe a small thing, but it just, yeah, <laughs> it was well, amazing a, for me. 
that's I think lovely. We all have the power of relationships a little bit in our gratitude. Um, yeah. And that is very cool. Mel actually has been the whole filler at our house. She likes to shuffle around wall hangings. So I she know. developed that talent as well. Yeah, we're currently <laughs> patched the holes, but I have not painted them yet. So mm. <laughs> one, step one, one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's great for kids to learn that they can do things by themselves. We have a series of short-term vacation rentals and we'll go down and do the work on them to, to ourselves so the kids can learn mm -hmm. those activities. That's awesome, Amy, that you spent some time and did that with them and had the relationship with your neighbors. And thank you for sharing that gratitude. And now we'd like to ask you to share a little bit more about yourself, which you were getting into a little bit more of an introduction. Yeah, sure. So I am a mom of five kids and got into what I do now in a roundabout way. I had a really weird education upbringing. And so it's funny now because I own this international education company and I only finished one grade of public school and it was kindergarten. That's my, my big win. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I just, my family moved all over the country and sometimes we were in public school and sometimes we were homeschool. It just shifted depending on where we were and moving around every couple of months to every year or so. And so I didn't get to finish high school because I'd already been to high school in three different states and trying to meet graduation requirements for any particular school was just crazy. And I was teaching myself at home and I didn't have books. So I'd buy something from the used bookstore or go to my uncle's house and try to borrow books off a shelf or whatever to teach myself something. And I was ending up using college books. And my mom said, why don't you just go to college? And I was 15 at the time. And so I said, okay, <laughs> because sometimes parents have belief in you. And so I did, and I, I got in and they let me come start. And so about a week after I turned 16, I started college. And so that's been interesting. And then was doing some homeschool stuff with my kids and had some YouTube videos go viral. And that's how my company started because teachers were asking for resources and then parents. And so now I get to play with Play-Doh and change the world and to make learning ridiculously fun for kids and help them learn to read and things like that. It's amazing. That is an amazing background. And we talk a lot on the podcast about questioning cultural norms. Do you, do we have to do it this way? And mm -hmm. you certainly have shook the cultural norms on education and your concept of side schooling that we picked up from that Mel really enjoys because we've done homeschooling of our kids during 2020. They've been in public school. We've been in a couple of different school districts. We moved across the country and we're trying to decide like, how do we provide them the education we want supplemental to the education that they're getting? And we thought you'd be a perfect guest to chat to with the people that listen to the project. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm so excited to hear more about the side schooling aspect. Before we get into that, though, I did look at your website and I printed off a little piece I wanted to read to you and ask you about. And I think you did touch on it about your mom, but I'd love to hear more about the passion behind what you're doing. So I'll just read this little line. As a girl raised by a retired teacher mother, I learned that education can be the greatest adventure. It can happen anywhere, anytime, and it can be so exceptionally fun. So what are some examples of your from your childhood that you were referring to when you said this? Because I just love a lot of our podcast is reflecting back on things that happened when we were younger and how it impacts us as parents now. So I would love to hear how this some examples from the past that got you to where you are now. I love this part. Yeah, of course. My mom is like my hero and she passed away a couple of years ago, right before COVID actually. And so it's, and it was very sudden and shocking and it's been so hard, but it's, I have so much gratitude for her and she was such a unique individual. So there's all the parts that are interesting, but then just, she was phenomenally fun, even up until she passed away. 
but what she did so beautifully, she taught us to work hard. Like we, we worked so hard as kids and my cute mom had 12 children, bless her heart, 12 children. <laughs> and she homeschooled us a lot. Right. And then we would live on sometimes a five acre or 40 acre property. And we had a massive garden and we grew all of our own food and we canned it. And we, we, she'd try to go to the store maybe twice a year, whether she needed to or not situation. So we created what we used. Right. So we worked really hard. But she had such a way of making it fun and she would tell us stories or she would sing songs with us or whatever. And then she would always just point things out while we were doing something. She would point out the sunset or if we're driving across the country, which we did so often in our enormous 15 passenger van, and there would be just like a historical marker or something. And she'd be like, oh, we got to read the sign. And, and then we'd talk about it and she would take us to the library to get books and read to us while we were driving or read to us while we were canning peaches in the summer. And, and so she would always find a way, I feel like, to make work fun and she would turn it into a game. And it's, I feel like you have super skills. If you can make hauling rocks and weeding for hours upon hours and picking green beans fun, like you, you have skills. <laughs> and, and that is what she did. And so I think that's so much where I got it from that you can make hard things fun, first of all, and that also that learning, she was so passionate about learning. And so I just took those two things and put them together for what I do now. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. This made me think of when kids are little, they oftentimes think learning is fun. And then somehow mm -hmm. along the way, culture introduces this idea of school, which can be exciting at first. But I remember when my preschooler started this year, I had to make sure my older two that are in fifth and seventh grade this last year didn't say something negative about school because it suddenly becomes like, oh, school. But learning is so much more than that. So we take a hike up the mountain and now we've get, been getting a lot more rain this year. I love mm -hmm. to point out, look at this seed. It's like a little swirl and look at how this leaf unfolds. Things that are all learning, but mm -hmm. they're not technically school. So I love yeah. that you've taken that passion that you're, it sounds like your mom was an incredible woman. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Fantastic. What did, she, what did she teach? So she got her degree in teaching elementary education and she was, I believe, a second grade teacher just for a little while until she had my oldest brother and then she came home. And so then she got to teach all the grades because she <laughs> had a lot of children. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you're, you focus a lot on early education. I guess I'm wondering why that is. Why did you choose that as your niche? I feel like it's so critical early on, right? And not messing up that love of learning that children have, right? But also giving them the basics and the foundation to start learning. I, it was interesting watching my children learn. So we talk about that learning can be so organic, right? As you're walking up the mountain and noticing things, right? But I also thought, so learning is that there's a process around learning, right? And I think we talked about this when we were on my podcast, but but what does a process of learning look like? You become interested in something, you learn enough about it, right? You have to develop enough knowledge about something to know that you have a gap between knowing that it's there and then you don't know enough about it, right? So that's the interest gap, right? There's this little bell curve, right? If you know nothing about something, you don't really care. And if you know everything about it, you're maybe not interested anymore. So you want to find the space in the middle. So we introduce our kids to things, right? We are walking up the mountain and we point out seeds and we point out leaves and, or we read them a book from the library and suddenly they become really interested in some foreign country or a landmark they want to go see, right? And then that's when they get to start digging, right? So my son was getting really excited. He read a book 
recently, and he decided he wanted to go travel to Eastern Europe. And so I said, okay, we'll start planning the trip. And he's, he was 10 at the time. So he, so he starts planning it and he's trying to come up with all these things. And I have my kids, they, they get on the computer and they're researching flights and hotels and other activities and where we're going to eat. And I have them plan out this whole trip as a 10 year old. It was fun. So he comes and he tells me, his mom, there is nothing else to do in Jordan. <laughs> like, like this part of this trip that we were talking about. So there were just several different places we were going to go, but this was like the part that he wanted to go see. And anyway, it was super funny, but yeah. So I think it, it becomes so organic, but I think teaching them that process, maybe it's, maybe it's paper airplanes or maybe it's origami. I think we talked a little bit about that, but I've had kids get really into balloon animals. And what does that look like? What's that process? Is that learning? Sure it is. It looks different than what we're learning in school. And it is so important to get the background knowledge that we're getting in school. So we do need our math basics and we do need literacy and a lot of those things. But I think if we have children think that's what learning looks like as we're sitting at a desk and we're doing a worksheet or a test, then of course they're going to get bored and not love it, right? So I always just remind my kids, that's part of learning. That's one way to learn, but there's so many ways to learn, right? And so here's all these other different options. And it can look like so many things, whatever you're interested in. If you're interested in, I have several children that love to bake, which is fantastic because they get to eat cinnamon rolls and cookies and brownies, but, but they love to bake. And so maybe that's getting, trying out different recipes or learning how to divide fractions and stuff as you're changing recipes, right? And having to figure out how to double or half a recipe, whatever. So all of that's learning. And I just pointed out, because they're having fun and they're enjoying it. And I'm like, Ooh, you're learning. Right. And then we can apply that to other things, which is really fun. That's great. I love your passion behind it. And I love how just the idea here is to get them excited to continue to be excited about learning. Cause sometimes if mm -hmm. I bring, like, I love math, mm -hmm. if we're doing a recipe, like you said, and I'm like, Ooh, this is a fraction. I start teaching my five-year-old, like on the little spoon, it says mm -hmm. one slash four. And what does that mean? Sometimes the older ones might roll their eyes, but I'm like, Hey, what if I have to double this? And I like that they can see practical applications mm -hmm. to real life to actual skills. Like you said, you can make yourself some food and then eat it. That's a wonderful skill to have. So I truly well, appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. And if you look at the science behind how our brains work too, right? The connection in our brain that we're building is so much stronger and more impactful when it's connected to something that they already have context for, right? So when we're talking about, we're actually physically trying to figure out the food, right? I think if you just show them a paper and you're like, here's one half, here's one fourth. And they're like, okay, there's some symbols on a paper, right? <laughs> Yay. Yeah. But if you're like, you're sitting here measuring and you're trying to figure out how much of this to put in, right? And then sometimes I'll bring out something else. We'll get an apple and I'm thinking, okay, but how do we get a piece of this for everyone here? How many pieces do we have to cut that into? And you just make it so practical or, oh, if I have this many candies, because anytime you mention candy, it becomes really fun all of a sudden. So there doesn't even have to actually be candy. You can just mention candy and have them try to sort it in their heads. <laughs> but that is just such a fun way to practice those skills. And it does actually stay in their brain better. They get better memory and better retention when you can do it with something that's actually really meaningful to them. Awesome. So we talked a bit about helping younger kids and develop that excitement for learning. What about you have older kids too, right? So, so do. How, how do you do that with your older kids? How do you continue the passion for learning as they get older? 
It's so fun. And I think when you start it early, it makes it a little bit easier because it's part of your culture. We talked about culture in your home that you're creating, right? So I think a piece, if I were going to say one of our core values, it would be learning and adventure. We like that one too, and play. Those are all big ones, but learning is one of our things. And so what I tend to do, so particularly over the summer, and we do this during the school year, but it's easier to do over the summer. So at the beginning of the summer, my kids are home from school and I will just say, what would you like to learn this summer? And the first time that I did that, I think one of them said, what? We have to learn over the summer. We get a break. (laughs) And I said, okay, yes, I get what you're saying. This is where we have an opportunity to learn things that maybe we couldn't do in school or that looked different. And so they get to make a list. What are you interested in? I have a kid that loves to sew. So she wants to learn how to sew these like ridiculously cool dresses or whatever. I'm like, awesome. That's a fun thing to learn how to do. Maybe I have a kid that wants to learn how to fly a drone, or I have a kid that wants to learn how to do all these different things. And so we make a list of their own personal list of things that they want to learn. And then I come in and I say, okay, how can I support you in this? And they come up with their plan of how they think they could learn some of this stuff or what, how they want to do that. And they develop a plan. And then I'm like their support person. Okay. What do you need from me? Do we need to go to the library? Do we need to get YouTube books? Maybe if they're wanting to learn how to code in Minecraft or something, maybe they need a program or something that I can help them get or an app. But this is what we talk about. So they're super invested And it's just giving them this different view of what learning looks like, because this is learning too. And school is learning and that's awesome. And then also we can do this other stuff on the side and it's fantastic. You really were the reason why I ended up asking my kids that question this summer. So we had chatted up maybe a few weeks ago before we decided to do the podcast. And you mentioned this side schooling idea and how you ask them. So I had already decided I'm going to do a back and forth journal with them. And my first or second question was, Please make a list of what you want to learn this summer, who you want to spend time with this summer, and there might have been, oh, places you want to visit this summer, because we really haven't explored enough of this place we've moved to yet. And it was a great way to make them feel valuable. You're going to have important input into what we do this summer. And I think I mentioned to you before, I like to type things up and I even have like stuff typed to ask you about. And even today, my son Henry came to me and he's, can you add this to the list of what I want to do this summer? Just giving that, just not letting the summer just go by and sure they need to relax, but ours are certainly enjoying the structure of knowing that I know what they want to do. And I love how you Mm -hmm. said, how can I support you in this? It's not here, mom, here's my list. Go do it. Go make it happen. You're giving them so much of the power in, in figuring out how to make this happen. Over the summer, I think you give, you're giving our audience a wonderful tactic where you can just go ask your kids to make a list of what they might want to learn or like I added who you might want to spend time with where you might want to go visit and then they get to really have some power and control in the situation so I thought that was really great that you put it you turn it back to them and say okay how can we make this happen And I think it's so functional too, because I think, first of all, it helps build their confidence. It builds their ability to know that they can go set up a plan to learn the next thing, right? It gives them so much ownership in the process, which I think empowers them to continue learning. It's interesting in what I do now, I feel like I've, I got really good at teaching myself as a child because my mom had 12 children, right? She couldn't individually do a lot of teaching. And my education most of the time looks like I would go and take some books off the shelf, take them to my room and teach myself. And that that's kind of how I taught myself all along. And so I'm very used to teaching myself things. 
And as I've developed a business and created this kind of, we have over 2 million people in our audience now and serve people all over the world. And as I've done that, I've had to teach myself every step of the way, how do you use a camera? How do you use software? <laughs> every, how do you build a website, right? All of these things I've had to teach myself. And so what I really want for my children is for them to know how to do that themselves and to be able to just feel like they have the confidence to go do that. And so I love being their support person and saying, hey, what's your plan? Because then it's not just an idea in their head. It's like, okay, awesome. Go take some action and let me know how I can help. I am so good at helping and I'm here for you. You tell me what you need. And it's pretty great. That's Yeah, it's a great point about, okay, it's in your head. Now what's the plan? We talk a lot about the difference between dreams and goals with our kids. Like a dream is just something that it's like cool to think about and you get to practice your imagination, but goal is where you have an actual plan to get there and taking mm -hmm. that next step. So both are valuable. If they want to get there though, they have to have the plan. So that's a really great point, Amy. So I'm wondering, you have five kids, you said, do you yes. ever have one, like the older kids be the support person for the younger? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, we try to do it fairly naturally. So it's not really, I would say an assignment necessarily, but I'll give you an example. We, we like to do gingerbread houses in the, the winter, but I don't like gingerbread very much. So we started doing, I didn't get the kits. I would, we would do it out of sugar cookie dough and then just bake it extra hard, but it just, I don't know, it tastes better to me anyway. So we started doing that and then I thought, okay, we don't have a kit. So we let's just design our own. And so for the last few years, we've had our design your own gingerbread house activity except for with cookie dough. And it's been really fun because they have to come up with a drawing of what they want their house to look like. And then they have to lay it out flat and design what every piece they're going to need to be able to make that. And then they have to be able to draft like the sizes of the different pieces that they're going to then have to cut out of their cookie dough to bake, to be able to build that house. And it's a big process. So my almost 16 year old is fantastic at this and she's amazing and her brain's just wonderful and it's fun to see. And then there's my nine-year-old, right? Who's, <laughs> who has, can draw a picture of what she wants it to look like, but it needs a little bit of help with some of the other pieces. And it's fun to watch them progress over the years to get just drawing a rough picture to being able to lay out the pieces. And then of course, my older one will come in and she will get out draft paper and do the measurements and have a ruler out and like design. It's cool. It's really fun. And so it's neat to see them come in and help support. And another thing we did, I do weird random challenges sometimes because I don't know, I think it's fun. So we were out on our back deck and I told you my mom was awesome and really fun. So they grew up with watermelons. We grew up growing watermelons and she would teach us how to spit watermelon seeds like the furthest, right? We'd have competitions. It was fun. You kind of mix it some play in there, right? And so we were doing this off my back deck because I'm super mature. And, and it was really fun. And we have, it's almost a full acre of property. And so I was teasing my kids and I'm like, okay, I challenge you. If you can get it all the way to the back fence, then I'll give you 20 bucks. Knowing there was no possible physical way they could do this. My almost 16 year old was like, you can just see her brain turn on and she's deal. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the rest of the day, they, all four of my younger kids just were starting to try to figure out a way to get a seed. Like we had to put some parameters. Okay. You can't walk it down. They were trying to figure out a way to get a seed from their mouth all the way down to the back fence. And they tried all kinds of different things. We had balloons, we had paper airplanes, we had everything going on in the backyard. And by the end of the day, all four of my kids had earned 20 bucks, best, best 80 bucks I've ever spent. Uh, it was yeah. so fun. They ended up having a pulley system, like a thing going all the way down. It was fantastic. But yeah, they support each other and help each other. It's pretty great. That's a great example. I want to see what my kids would do if I gave them some kind of a task like that. 
like in school this year, there was like a fun day towards the end of the year. And each kid, we had been collecting these tubes from like paper towel holders and stuff all year. Their teacher was. And I'm like, what is she going to do with this? So she div divvied it up between four teams and they could use any part of the school building. And she gave them some masking tape and they had to make a marble run. And oh, just, how fun. I just kind of seeing like how their brains would work. And, and it was just really silly, but they had to work together and find some cool way to solve this problem. And it was a really neat task. So that's really inspiring. What's so, so interesting is this year, my son will come to me and say, can we have another challenge? Can I have another challenge? What's my next challenge? A thing. <laughs> yeah. So like we did a boat challenge and how many pennies can you get to sit on a boat without it sinking or whatever, just random stuff. But so your marble run challenge, my brain's, I'm totally doing that. That's coming up next this oh, summer. good. I love so it. what what happens when like friends come over to your house? Do they come to your house because they know it's like a fun learning spot? Is that somehow attractive to like neighbor kids or friends of your kids? Yeah. And I, I feel like there's so much value in just natural play as well. There's so much value in free play. So I don't try to structure all of the play. I try to do like some of these things some of the time, but there's also a lot of value in free play. So my kids will go down and like my nine-year-old will have all of her friends over and they'll go down and play shop and house and whatever. And they're pretending through roles. They're learning vocabulary. They're learning conflict resolution skills. There's so much going on, which is fantastic. But we also do invite people to come over for our fun challenges. So one day we, and in carpool, this happens during the school year too, because, you know, this is just me. And I challenge them to all kinds of fun things in carpool is my favorite. So we've come up with all kinds of fun ideas in carpool. But one of them, we start talking about pinatas. Of course, the next thing we do is we invite everyone over to our house to build pinatas. And so they, they're trying to create them out of cardboard instead of the balloons and the paste. I think that I did as a child, right? We just yeah. had cardboard boxes and tape and what could they build? And so we, they were coming up with the coolest designs and stuff. So we'll invite people over or we did the weird pie recipes. And so they all came up with these like crazy pie ideas and we did pie making and just fun things to challenge their brain. One of the things I love about it, it's so good for creativity because you're allowing them space to fail or just come up with weird ideas and it's all acceptable and all fine. And it just broadens their brain and they think just outside the box. I get people commenting all the time on how creative my kids are. And I'm like, it's, you just, you, you let them have that space and they just go. Kids' brains do that naturally if you encourage it a little bit. It's a great point about the free play and coming up with the rules of play themselves. It institutes a lot of creative thinking and problem solving like you mentioned and coming up with the parameters of the game instead of it being assigned to them that's just another level of thinking mel did you ask that question selfishly because you want to have the hangout house it's always been our goal. She's like, I want to have the hangout house so I get to know all these kids. I, do <laughs> I also found a way to just go in the school once a week and I help with math. I have a great time, but I do get to know all the kids that way. Mm -hmm. We used to have a rock wall in our living room because we are also mature and a swing in the living Excellent. room. Uh, because Mel has always wanted to have the hangout house. So that's why I thought you maybe asked that. Does that attract well, kids to your house? No, to hang out with if you play more well, games? We also let them play soccer in the house. There's one little section and it happens to be where my desk is. It does get noisy, but I'd rather them play and be able to do that. I can't ask them like, hey, you can only have this much tech time a day and you're going to have to fill your time and then just say no to everything creative and interesting. Yes. We figure out a way. We gave them some parameters. Let's not break the glass door. But like <laughs> they, they play it, oh, I'd say at least two hours a day. And then my five-year-old just loves soccer now because my 11-year-old teaches him all the time. Mm. And it's such a great, and again, in my mind, I'm thinking they're learning. 
but Joe's not saying nothing. Because if I say to them, hey, you're learning, they might say, oh, that reminds me of No, you can't do it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. I have a game idea for you that's just super fun because you guys live, do you live in Colorado? Is that where you are? Yep. Yeah. So we're in Utah and had the winter that lasted forever. So indoor play, so valuable. So we've used pool noodles a lot. Pool noodles are one of our favorite things. So we do balloons because balloons in the house don't break windows and we have windows as well. So we got pool noodles and we just wrapped them around and turned them into a racket. And then we have a balloon as our ball and we just play indoor tennis or ping pong or whatever using our balloon and our pool noodle rackets. And then of course they start making up rules. You can't spike on a serve and whatever. (laughs) And they come up with this whole system of rules like you were talking about, Joe, and it's so much fun. And uh, we played a lot of balloon tennis. I don't really know. Whatever it was, we played a lot of it this winter while we were waiting for the snow to go away. No, that's great. And even just talking with you about this makes my mind start to get creative. The other mm-hmm. day, a couple of months ago, I had two like spinach salad containers, like the really big one. Mm-hmm. And my two of my kids took them and they started to bounce a soft ball off the wall and try to catch it in the spinach plastic container. Yeah. And I saved it. Like, I think I still have them somewhere because I'm like, I love the fact that they took something ordinary, made it yes. really cool because we allow them. People will come over and say, I can't believe you let your kids play soccer in the house. And I'm like, but what's the alternative? Like the house is meant to be lived in. I want them to be creative. And something you mentioned earlier that I think is super key in this is some people might look at your family and say, wow, how lucky that she has creative kids. And that really makes my blood boil because I don't think it's that you're lucky. It's because you've created a culture in your family that provides a space for that allows that to develop. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that that's so important. It's good too, because it means that we can all do more of it, right? Start from wherever you are today. And if you feel like maybe you need to allow for a little more creativity and give a little more space for your kids to think outside the box and do things different than maybe is considered normal, that's okay. And you start where you are and move that direction. And it's so cool to see what their brains come up with as they have space to do that. Yeah. Just taking a little step. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying everyone should go let their kids play soccer in the house. I get that that's not (laughs) practical for everyone, but the point is what you just said. Take a little step. What can you do this week that allows them more space for creativity? One of the reasons why we call it the strong family projects, we don't think like parenting happens between like just parents, two kids. It's a whole family environment like you're describing. What are some of the benefits that you've received from having this play and this creative work because after all one of 12 you have five kids now sometimes we make it so much about the kids we don't think about all the amazing things that happens for and to us when we parent and grow kids like this so from amy's perspective what how has this improved your life Oh my gosh. So many ways. I think we learn from kids just right along with them learning from us, which is so neat. But I just feel like I have such a beautiful relationship with, with my kids. And that's one of my key focuses is relationship first. I think when we focus on relationship, it resolves so many disciplinary issues. It resolves so many things before they ever happen. And so I think that's massive. And then I think play is so important. If you look into the research, the value of play for our health, our mental health, as well as like our physical health and how long we live and how healthy we are as we live, play matters so much. And somehow we decided that once we became adults, we had to like stop playing, but that's not a thing. Like we need play. And so I think having kids almost can keep you young if you go play with them. And I think when I was a kid, I just wanted to be mature and grow up. And and now I'm like, no, let's go back. (laughs) 
have some fun. And I do get to be a grown up, right? I have a lot of responsibilities there. There's, I think all of us have really difficult things in our lives. Sometimes there, there's a lot of grown up responsibility, a lot going on, but the value of having play that you can break it up and have these moments of fun and joy and laughter. We have a lot of humor at our house. We tease a lot. And that kind of comes in with the play and it just enriches your life in so many beautiful ways. And then my gosh, I've built a whole business around it. So it blesses my life all over the place, which is really fantastic. That's awesome. I think a great takeaway from the conversation is that all you have to do as a parent is join into the kids play. Just join in. You don't have to have some big plan. And you know, I like to go out. I shouldn't say I like to, but Henry likes to play soccer outside every day as well. And sometimes he's, mom, you got to come along too. And my first reaction is I got dishes to wash right now. Mm -hmm. But then like I ask myself, what is more valuable here? And if I, like the one time I actually went and played, it was so worth my while just to spend time, just to be in his world, join in the play, like you said, and the other stuff can just wait. Join in whatever their play, their interest is at the moment. And I think you will not regret it. I recall reading research a few years ago about how often a child laughs during a day compared to a parent. And I don't remember the exact numbers. I wish I could. Like a kid laughs 100 plus times a day. An adult, it was like less than seven times a, a week. Like it's under <laughs> once a day. Horrible. <laughs> and they were talking about how, like, how good that is for you. Just like internally your hormonal balance, but also your brain function and everything else. And it's that old saying that I won't get right either, but we don't stop playing when we get old we get old because we stop playing even if that you said it wrong it, that's really good <laughs> <laughs> it and it's so true and it's interesting because yeah on my podcast i bring on neuroscientists and psychologists and we talk about some of these things and they talk about what you were just talking about mel and the importance of just going out and joining play with your children even if it's for a little while we don't all have hours and hours a day to go play but it doesn't usually take that so if you go and join them for a few minutes it's super super valuable for you and they you're building the relationship at the same time and you're modeling for them hopefully what we want them to do later because i don't want my kids to grow up and just work i want them to be able to work and then i want them to go play and do some of both and have really good balance in their lives and so if i'm working all the time and i'm like i can't play i have more dishes because dishes are never ending right along with the laundry and but you have to stop some times and go play. And I think showing them that is really valuable or even inviting them to say, Hey, I really do need to get this project done. Why don't you come help me do this for five minutes? We'll turn on a timer and then we'll go. Play. And then showing that you can do both and have them come join you for both. Amy, I think we can keep you here all day to talk about <laughs> challenges. Mel's written down some additional I have notes. notes. Yeah. We take notes when we talk to guests, we do this sincerely because we love learning ourselves. And so we're going to have to limit it to one more question each out of respect for your time. And I have one. Would you like me to go first? Yes. I was, I really like your perspective on your mom and sharing all the positivity she's brought to your life. I have a similar story. My father passed when I was out in college and a lot of things I do in life was because of who he was. And you're very intentional about teaching your kids, but with all the, that aside, what do you hope they learn from who you are and how you live versus the strategic things you do very intentionally with them but like how you've learned so much from your mom just by who she was what are you hoping your kids soak up from who you are that is such a good question oh i, th I think there's several pieces i think kindness is such a core value of mine and that you can get so much further with kindness than anything else. And that being powerful and being strong, it doesn't mean that you don't, your kindness can go along with that, which I think is really beautiful. I hope I'm teaching them the value of hard work and play and then a passion for learning and for 
for people. So I think those are some of my top things that I think that I want them to, to get from me. And I can certainly see them soaking up just from talking to you on the few podcast episodes. I appreciate you sharing that, Amy. So a pet peeve of mine are people who are, it's, they mean they're continual learners, but they like to talk about it and not be about it. And I think you are about it. And I, that role modeling is important to go out and just try and try to do things and try to engage with the family. And I'm sure your kids will grow up with that from who you are, Amy. So thank you for sharing. Mel. So we're going we're gonna to stick talking about you personally. So I'd love to know, what is the next thing that you want to learn? Oh my gosh, there's a never ending list. Oh my word. So I have things that I learn for work and then I have things I like to learn for play. So I'm a little torn right now between I'm, I'm, I've learned a lot of Spanish, but I'm not quite fluent yet. So I want to finish Spanish, but I got really obsessed with Korean lately. It's so much fun because it's so different. And anyway, so I'm like, oh, this is so fun. And then there's like part of me that really wants to learn how to play the bagpipes. I don't know why I don't have any need for that, but it just sounds so awesome. Or maybe the cello. So I'm like, I don't know. Where do I start first? I just try to do a little bit here and there and yeah, work on a project at a time. So I'm working on Spanish and a little bit of Korean is what I'm doing right now in the bagpipes. Hello. We'll have to, <laughs> they might come later. We'll see. We'll see how things go. We'll have to circle back and see where you're at with those. Those are really interesting. <laughs> oh, now there's some accountability. All right, I'll have Amy on again next year and ask you to play the cello and sing in Korean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. It's so uh, much fun, though. And I think mod one of the things that I that I think is really important as we're telling kids, learning is so fun and you should go do it, right? But if we're not doing it, then what does that look like to them? So when my children see me like sitting at the, my table learning Korean just for fun or Spanish and they're like, but why? And I'm like, because it's awesome. And then you could talk to people like all the people. If you know all the languages, it's, it's just so much fun. And um, it, so I love to show that to my children, to show that I am continuing to learn. And I think it's healthy for our brains too. If you ever get tired of teaching or like trying to help your kids learn things, maybe try learning something new yourself and, and it reignite that passion for learning yourself because it's so fun to learn. And then your kids see that and then they want to learn too. I feel pumped up now too after yeah, talking to you. Yeah, a motivational speech there. <laughs> yeah. I, like that. I, I, I like that tremendously. And the power of role modeling, I touched on it and you just shared even more about it. It is so valuable. And I think there is so many mindset shifts that are like, oh, like we're not done learning when school's over. That's just a piece of it, a valuable piece, but it's just a piece of it. And I hear this in the fitness industry a lot. Like people are, why do you exercise? Like, how can that possibly be fun? I only do it so I can eat more brownies and things like that. <laughs> I try, hey, you could take these legs and walk to places on earth that no one has ever seen. Like you can't get to some of these places unless you do it by your own power and unless you take care of yourself you're going to miss out on a lot of life like i genuinely enjoy that piece of it like you genuinely enjoy exercise a friend of mine wanted to honor his father and kayak in the north north america's tallest lake it's in breckenridge called i don't know pacific tarn and the only way to do it was to carry a kayak like seven miles up this mountain and be able to kayak it and it was in the paper and we did it and he got to honor his father and create that memory because he saw the value in being creative and coming up with this adventure and saw the value of taking care of himself so that he could do it and a lot of that ties in just questioning the norms of oh you, learning just ends at the end of the school day or when you become an adult you don't need to learn anymore and i'm ranting because i like to stay away from those kinds of mindsets even though they are very common Amy, after that rant, I will turn it back to you because I know our listeners will want to learn more from you. Where can they go to hear your podcast and check out your website? 
Absolutely. So my podcast is the Raising Healthy Kid Brains podcast. And it's wherever you listen to podcasts. So come and join us. It is so much fun. I learn every week and I'm like, this is seriously the greatest job ever because I get to talk to these incredible people and get to ask all my questions. I'm like, this is, yeah, everyone should get to do this. It's amazing. And it's interesting too, because sometimes my guests will say, I've been listening to the podcast. Are you ready to come on? And I've been learning things. And these are people with master's degrees and been doing like therapy or counseling or whatever for years. It's fascinating. So super fun. Come join us there. And then my website is planningplaytime.com. And if you have young children and you want to make learning really fun and engaging and hands-on, then that's the place to come find us and hang out with Mel, me. Mel and I will be there as well, checking it all out in the background. I feel like this relationship is going to continue. I think Mel's going to try some of these things. I like the penny idea. And then we'll email you some pictures of our challenges yes. and share, our, share <laughs> our failures and our challenges and, and being in a like-minded community of people who want to further their learning and their lives are extremely powerful. So thank you very much, Amy, for coming into our community today on the Strong Family Project and sharing with all of our listeners. Yeah, thank you, Amy. And I'm off to, I'm off to buy some pool noodles. <laughs>